Hi, I'm Jessie Delo, your host of Madly Forever, a podcast in collaboration with The Fullest. Each episode, I'll help people move past their vision boards to create a life and relationship that they truly love. I, sometimes along with the help of my husband, Brian, will interview a variety of experts, psychologists, couples, and business partners to discover the science and secrets to successful compatibility. By pairing my expertise for manifestation with my background in therapeutic healing, I have manifested the life of my dreams. And with this podcast, I aim to help others find their optimal alignment as well. We're so thrilled to have Foria Wellness as a partner for Madly Forever. Having a healthy sex life is a part of everyday wellness. Unfortunately, most of the sex products out there are made with nasty chemicals that end up in your body. Luckily, the folks at Foria are on a mission to change that. With 100% plant-based and organic formulas, their best-selling intimacy collection has literally been changing lives in the bedroom and beyond. Foria is the first brand to address the sexual needs of women across all ages, from enhancing pleasure and access to orgasm to alleviating painful sex, menstruation cramps, and other issues that can impact your sex life. Their plant-based and organic intimacy collection includes a multi-botanical arousal oil, pleasure-enhancing suppositories, and a CBD lubricant. Foria's Awaken Arousal Oil has a cult following and is specially formulated with nine botanical extracts that work with the body to take pleasure to the next level. That means it makes sex even better when it's great, or it can alleviate painful sex, which a lot of people suffer from. It also makes you more likely to experience an orgasm um, or two or three. So I'm really thrilled to offer you guys a discount code that Foria put together for our listeners to get 20% off your first order by visiting foriawellness.com slash madlyforever. That's F-O-R-I-A wellness.com slash madlyforever for 20% off your first order. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Madly Forever. This is Jesse and Brian, and we're thrilled to be here with our friends, Sophie and Adi Jaffe, who are a very inspiring couple who keep it extremely real for all of those people out there who, you know, want to know how to navigate a real life relationship with the ups, the downs, the challenges, the, you know, real life hardships that, um, you know, we all face from time to time, they have put that out there for everyone to really see what a true partnership um, can go through and overcome, which I think is just so incredible that you guys have been able to share that journey openly. So would you guys, um, you know, just give a little background on the two of you and your relationship? Yeah. You want to intro us? Why don't you intro us? I like hearing you (laughs) You talk talk. about us. (laughs) Um, Sure. My name is Adi. Um, Sophie and I have been together for 16 years. We've been married for 11. And as Jesse mentioned, it's been a smooth ride the whole way through. We've never (laughs) fought. There's never been a struggle ever. No. um, Yeah, we've been through a lot, like many couples that we know. But... 
I think pretty early and, and pretty naturally for Sophie and I, we've never felt comfortable hiding it from other people. And so pretty early in our relationship, uh, about a year into the relationship, I uh, still while dating, uh, I cheated on Sophie and we broke up. We broke up for almost an entire year. And in that year, each did our own work. I ended up chasing her and finding a way back into her heart about a year later. But even from that first moment, one of the demands by Sophie was, hey, if we're going to get back together, we're going to go see a therapist and we're going to start working on whatever it was that led us to that happening. Um, and I was all in my family. I, I have a PhD in psychology. I, I don't have a problem with um, seeing somebody, but it was actually really beautiful to have a partner who was in to go do some work and sit and, and work on a relationship. And so that's literally where it started, right? Like one year into our relationship, we're dating. Sophie doesn't even live with me and we're in couples therapy, which to a lot of people sounds incredibly crazy. Um, we'll get into our view on this a little bit later, but that was the beginning. It definitely wasn't the end of ups and downs for us. We come from pretty different backgrounds. I'm from Israel originally, moved here. Sophie um, and my parents were married their whole life. Sophie's parents were divorced. She from the States and moved around a lot. And so over and over, we've just found times where our history led us to having these moments of clashes in the relationship. And our way of dealing with that is going deep, figuring out what's going on, where do we meet in the middle, and then either coming up with compromises or at other times just adjusting, changing, shifting the way we live, shifting the way our relationship moves forward. And like I said, we're 16 years into this. And other than that one year break there, about 11 months or something like that, right? In the middle, uh, we've been together consistently throughout the rest of it. And as you mentioned, Jesse, we, we went from sort of being almost a cautionary tale in that first year or two to this thing where people would tell us, oh my God, you've overcome so much. It's so amazing. And start asking us for advice or even weirdly saying things like, you know, wow, I wish I had a relationship like yours, which always sounded crazy when we come from the background that we came from. So we decided to get ahead of it. And about, what was it? Three years ago, four years ago, we started a podcast. Sophie wrote articles actually before that even for women's health and some other news outlets about some of the struggles that we've had. And what we found, which I find in my work in general anyways, the more we share, the more people come to us and say, hey, I've been in that boat or maybe I'm in it right now. I didn't even know there was a way out of this. Would you mind kind of allowing me into the sphere of what it is that you've done to overcome it? So I think in most ways, we've kind of now made it our mission to hide as little as possible from other people yeah. and be very upfront with the amazing stuff that we have. Cause just so we're clear, most of the time we're doing really, really well, but every once in a while things happen and pop up and, and there are these struggles and hurdles we have to overcome. And yeah, we love doing it. We love working with couples. We love helping people overcome struggles. Um, we sort of, it's not a joke. I think we, one of our goals for Ignited, which is our podcast and some of the work that we do, is literally to reduce the divorce rate by helping people either make the right decision about relationships not to get into or by helping them overcome struggles in their current relationship and make it to the other side. It's amazing. It's great. And I know, Sophie, you were really young when you guys met, right? I had a fake ID and we were 20. <laughs> I was 20. We were not 20. We I were was 20. 20. And a D, you uh, were 28. 28. So yeah, similar age difference to us, actually. Uh -huh. We're seven years apart. 
Yeah. Yeah. But it makes a difference. I think 20 versus, I think I was like 27 when we met. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Way different. It's different when you've gone through that maturity, you've gone through those growth, you know, milestones. Like I literally hadn't, I didn't have an illegal drink in a bar. Like that's a big deal. You know, like it's, it's certain things like he was a, he was a grown adult and I had just gotten into UCLA and we were just meeting and I was just out of my first ever relationship that lasted five years. And it was really dysfunctional. And that's where I was coming from. And then he was coming from all of his life experience. And it's always hard in relationships to, I think, probably the older you get, it might even be harder because you're two whole individuals with all of your unique adult worlds with like unique worlds. But on top of it, we added in, you know, I was young and I was naive and I hadn't had life experience when it came to relationships other than one dysfunctional relationship. And he had dated lots of women and was like, oh yeah, when you know, you know. And I'm like, I don't know. And he's like, I do. This is it. This is love. This is, this is the way you know, it's not normally like this. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know that. So it just added a little bit of uncertainty from my side. And then my uncertainty um, made him a little nervous. And then my lack of experience made me feel embarrassed and made him feel like, oh, well, maybe if I just seek it elsewhere. And there was all these things we were thinking, but not saying because we didn't have the skill set. We didn't have the tools. We didn't know how to communicate in a healthy way. I mean, I, like he said, I came from a divorced family. Like there was no healthy you know, examples of how to communicate with your partner in a loving way. And we certainly hadn't learned it from either of our sides. So even though Adi's family stayed together, their nuclear family stayed together, his mom and dad didn't communicate. They didn't have healthy tools to um, display to their children. So it's not to say that like one way of growing up is good and one is bad. It's that healthy tools are necessary for a great relationship. And without them, it can really can really, you know, stir things up and make it really hard for the couple to survive. And so we really want to provide those tools and let people know, hey, it's normal to fight. Hey, it's normal not to get along. Hey, you're not two identical human beings. Like it's going to be hard regardless, but if you don't have the tools, it's even harder. Who do you give credit to for those kind of first set of tools that you got in your relationship? Was it the therapist that you went to or? I think our therapist. Yeah. I think our therapists, we had, uh, we had a few, you know, we had different things. Um, we were just kind of searching for the right person to help us. And I think that's the way it goes when you're on a quest for healing is you just kind of something appears and manifests itself and it, you grab onto it. And then if it's a good fit, that's great for a while, but then maybe that stops challenging your growth edges and you stop feeling stretched and you stop learning and you get kind of lazy and you're like, I'm not really growing anymore. And maybe you don't want to admit it to yourself. And so that would happen. And then we'd be like, Oh, we're not really learning anything new here. So then we get a new therapist or try something new, try something different. And even now we're not in a struggle place. We're in a mate, a beautiful place of maintenance, but we're still trying new things and going to workshops and stretching ourselves so that we can keep growing and expanding and getting to know each other. I think even more, I think there were definitely therapists, but then over time we found some kind of schools of thought that we aligned with really well. So, you know, Sophie brought me, for instance, the four agreements as a book that really resonated early in our relationship in terms of shifting the way I think about life in general. Mm-hmm. So not even just about relationship. Um, and then we found the love, la- the five love languages. And then we found 
uh, the Gottmans, right? So um, Dr. Gottman and, and uh, the doctors Gottman and um, in their whole, you know, the, the four horsemen and all these, all these specific kind of little nuggets that we use, I think about all the time. And then yeah. when, whether we work with couples or we have little moments of disagreement. Um, and then also for us, it was another huge component because look, I'd love to say that I screwed up once. Um, that would not be our story. But um, I think if I look at us, I, I kept progressing. I kept kind of getting better and understanding our intimacy better and better and what it meant to be a good partner to my wife better and better. But I, I slipped up multiple times along the way. And every time we had to find new boundaries and new coping strategies. And there was actually a couples group that we literally only stopped going to in the last year, maybe yeah. two years. We went to this thing for nine or 10 years, every yeah. single week almost. Yeah. Um, and what we learned in this group, which is probably the reason why we started doing our work ourselves, is that one of the biggest pieces was to find a community that reduces shame and judgment and allows you to be open about what's going on. Because look, when I cheated in that I cheated on Sophie once in terms of like a physical cheating experience. And in that time, obviously when Sophie went to her family or went to her friends, the stories were all the same. It was like, once a cheater, always a cheater, leave him, never talk to him. Right. Though that was the message right. Sophie got everywhere. And then we ended up connecting with this group where we saw people who had those experiences, but then learned different ways of being in partnership. And that was huge for us. And so I, I think between all those little elements we kind of cobbled together our version of what we now call kind of an ignited coupleship or relationship means. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's interesting too, that most of the people that at that time, and even now, if you go to someone and you're like, Oh, my, my partner cheated or I cheated on my partner. Like the very first thing they do is to this, like dooms, like, okay, then leave. They're, they're completely a waste of space. You know, I mean, like, since when can we not make mistakes as human? It's kind of like cancel culture. It's just like canceled. Like, wait, we have a whole life together. Like my mom was just like, oh, you're marrying your father. Like, I don't agree. Like you're, you're X, Y, and Z. And just, that's very much like, that's our culture right now is to just leave, just go just there, you know, move on to the next thing. Oh, you're bored. Move on to the next thing. And that's cool in some ways. Like if I'm bored at my profession, I've been doing it for 10 years. It's, all these openings to do other things, but in relationships, when you start to build a life together and you have children or a home, or you really like each other and you really have great attributes and things that you bring to the world, these beautiful things you bring to the world together that only you two can bring. And then everyone just says to give up because you have problems. Like that's unfortunate. So what do we do? We find tools and we find ways to maybe fight for it and just be curious. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people keep those secrets to themselves because they don't want their friends and family to know about what's going on because they're afraid that they'll never look at their partner in the same way, right? Because mm -hmm. if they disclose this dysfunction in any way that they're having in their relationship, they're afraid it will taint everyone's opinion of their significant other. Well, of their perfect life. That's, yeah. 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 That's so true. I mean, we talk about this all the time. There's this thing that ends up happening, it's funny, I don't think it hasn't happened to us in a while, but I see it happening around, and I used to see it more, where you'd see a couple who seemed like they were doing great. Maybe you literally just went to dinner with them last Tuesday and you're hanging out, they're telling you stories about their last vacation. And then a week later, you find out they're breaking up and you're like, I don't understand. We were literally just sitting with them. It seemed perfect. Seemed great. What happened? And I think it comes from what you're talking about, Jesse, which is we have 
I think in general, even outside of couple shifts, we had this idea that the point is to present ourselves as perfect. Mm-hmm. And so many of us hide idiosyncrasies of who we are or, or just aspects of our life and our, our experience that we don't feel like would align with other people's expectation of us. Mm-hmm. So we kind of end up living in this very bizarre world, which is not necessarily the world we want to live in, but rather is the world that we believe other people want us to live in. Yeah. And, you know, we're in LA, you guys moved out of the city a little while ago. And so maybe you're a little bit more isolated and, uh, yeah. and have a little bit less of this. But um, I think this happens in general when you put yourself in a community. Even social media, like it's all, it's always there. It's always there. Yeah, you kind of, you develop this way of life, most mostly. I'm not saying this applies to everybody. You develop this way of life that fits that environment. And sometimes it's great because it's actually really well aligned with who you want to be. But if it doesn't align, I think it can cause so much pain, mm-hmm. so much discomfort. That's where people turn to alcohol and drugs and, and cheating and escapes in order to get this, like you said, like this hidden little piece of their own life that they get to keep to themselves. When there's this dissonance, there's this inner dissonance that just feels like you feel fake. You feel like it's a facade. You feel it's unnatural. Yeah. Uncomfortable. You don't want to be living a lie, right? Even something that can start small can just then start to grow and evolve because you're not sharing that other side to who you are. Right. So how did it feel for you guys to, you said you wrote an article before, you know, anything and, and blasted out, you know, the intimate secrets of what you had been going through. Um, and if you could share a little bit about that with yeah. everyone listening, how did that feel for you? Like it must've been, you know, really scary. I can yeah. imagine. Yeah, it was really scary. I, I think that I, I am someone that enjoys risks in terms of growth. So if it's something that's going to help me grow, then I'm here for it. I'm not necessarily going to want to like repel from a mountain, but I like to challenge my relationships. I like to challenge myself, my spirituality. And so, um, once I felt like we were healed, whatever that means, like for the most part, we had put in a lot of work and I felt proud of our relationship and I felt proud of the work we had done. I very much like love to just share my own happiness, my own joy, my own learnings. And I want to then teach it. So I wanted to share it so that other people didn't feel there was nothing. When I found out he was cheating and where he was, he had an online life and it was a secret world where, um, basically like it's for men who are married to cheat on their wives and it's online. Um, it can lead to not online. His was all just online, but I found this whole secret world and I had nowhere to go. Anything that I looked up online was like, you know, that same narrative of like, once a cheater, always a cheater, leave him. You know, he's an addict forever, which is also along the lines of what a D does, like not the, what he believes in. Like you can always change. You can always become better and different. And, and it's, I wanted to inspire. I wanted our story to allow people to not feel afraid if something like that, something similar happened to them. And because there was nothing available online, that was extra scary because I was coming out to say, Hey, you know, I was interviewed by women's health, mind, body, green, a couple other big public publications. And I felt, yeah, there was that pit in my stomach. Like I'm terrified of what people will think. 
But what was above that was, but how many people are we going to help that could be in a similar situation, maybe even worse? And by the way, I think you got both. So I've seen comments on these articles that call her an idiot and call me and, you know, I don't know if you guys swear on this thing. Call me an a hole. Uh, I'll, I'll keep a PG um, and and tell her that she's stupid and that I'm, an idiot, you know, like, I'm I'm gonna do it again. Like there's that, and then there's the messages from people saying, "Oh my god, you just saved my life by just being able to read this article." Well, it's also available online. That was how many years ago? I mean, like six, right? Oh my god, six or seven years wow. ago. Like, and never do that. Yeah. <laughs> I open up the portal like on Facebook. I'll open up like the the messages that like hide, I don't know, like the like spammy ones. And there's like hundreds. Wow. I'll go like once every other month. There's hundreds of messages of women, men just sharing their story and they're like, I don't know what to do. And now that we have like the Instagram world, like they put two and two together. But I get hundreds of messages a month just saying like I felt so alone and just reading your message, your, you know, article or the thing, the information you're putting out there makes me feel not just seen, but like less scared, more, um, hopeful. Like we're giving people hope by sharing our story. So, so what that we look stupid for five seconds, who, what, what really matters? Everyone's ADD. People who don't understand right from the outside who don't understand the dynamics, the intricate dynamics of your specific relationship. Right. And, and by the way, you know, it's, a, we can't guarantee success to anybody. Um, B, it's not like it's not like what we found was this smooth sailing river where we just we moved our canoe over and all of a sudden we've never fought since. And there's like this magic trick that every single time something is about to go wrong, I snap my fingers and the world is perfect again. That's not what we're saying. The stuff that we preach and the stuff that we talk about is it's work. You know, it's like uh, I mean. Whether you're an influencer, whether you run hotels, whether you're a CEO of a large tech company or, or you just, or I don't know, you're a farmer. I don't, I haven't found anything that works really, really well with no work. Like I just, I haven't found it. And our relationship is the same. We fight. Uh, the fights now at least don't affect us for three days to two weeks. Like they used to, they affect us for a half an hour or 15 minutes or sometimes a couple of hours. Um, we disagree. We're not the same human being. We haven't turned into like some enmeshed version of ourselves. Um, but, and this is an important, but is what people assume when something big goes wrong in a relationship, it doesn't have to be cheating by the way, but when something big goes wrong in a relationship, I think too many people assume, well, this is it. This is, this isn't the right fit. And I think honestly, that's affected Jesse. You mentioned, um, what people hide, but also the stuff that we see in front of us, like the fairy tales and the, the rom-coms and the stuff that gives you this message, which is, Hey, if it's the right thing, it'll be the smoothest experience you've ever had in your life. Mm -hmm. And by the way, I wish that were true for us. I'm not saying that it's, it's fun to fight. Mm -hmm. Um, I haven't seen that happen for too many couples. And inevitably, you know, like all these magical stories, if you think about it, they end with, there's a little bit of weirdness, a little bit of conflict. And then there's the happily ever after. And nobody ever tells us what happens happily ever after. Like, (laughs) what does that actually look like? And for me, from my experience, sometimes there's a challenge and it's okay. That doesn't mean your relationship is doomed. It might mean it's time for some growth. I think it's also, you know, it's two whole people. It's, 
if you, if you meet someone and you've been doing the work, like I think, for example, you guys, I don't know you that well, but I've been out with you a few times. I know you pretty well, Jesse. You met at a later age. Like you were in your late thirties. You were in your late twenties. You both, as far as I know, do the work, you show up, you do them, do it for yourselves. And, and Brian's meet- been married before. Right. Yeah. Which I think is a huge, huge part of why we work mm. so well, actually. Yeah. So. Brian's seen what it could be like otherwise. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse's like, see how great I am? Uh, no, I'm not saying that. <laughs> I'm saying that I think because it was such a conscious choice. Mm-hmm. I think it wasn't like, you know, I think sometimes if you're young and you get married, you sort of are like, is this the right person? I don't know, but all my friends are getting married. Maybe I'll just go for it. You know, I'm like 60% in, but, you know, part of me is not sure. But I think because you had already been married and been through a divorce yeah, and you were someone who thought you wouldn't get married again. Yeah. That's a big part of it. Like to know, you know, I, I knew I wasn't going to get married again, which gives you a good sense of how things can change, you know, through life. But I was pretty dead set on not getting married again. And, um, you know, and then I changed a little bit, but it was really, you know, you meet someone and it feels aligned and, um, there's some magic to that. And then there's a lot of work that comes after that, but, um, it ended up being the right choice and the right fit. Yeah. But it's so interesting because it, it can change so quickly. I mean, he thought he would never get married again. And then he called his mom on our first date and said, I met my wife. So it mm-hmm. can be the type of thing where you have, but then we always say, cause I said something very similar to my mom after our second date that I'd met my husband, but we could have been totally off, off base. Right. It was a feeling. And it was like, we had to prove to each other and to ourselves that we were that person who, and yeah. we're continually and, to, and continually yeah. proving to ourselves, not that we're the same person, but that we're, the right person for each other. Sophie, Sophie and I talk about having to choose your partner over and over. And I think what you just said is a perfect example of that, right? Um, Sophie is not literally not the same human being I met when I met her, right? She's in her mid thirties. Now she was 20. Mm. She had no job. She had she, she volunteered a little bit here and there. She was studying to be a, a personal trainer. Like what's this? Is that my energy then? Yeah, you were were really bouncy. Yeah, actually, that's a good point. So, but also like, you know, it's funny, but literally also physically, like many of our cells completely change every seven to 10 years. So literally physically, the woman that's in front of me right now was not present when we started dating. And if you think about that, if you think about that, like, I am, I'm not with the same person. There are some core values that are similar, but she's grown in insane ways Mm -hmm. in the last 16 years. I've completely changed in other ways. Like I couldn't, it's not that I couldn't talk about feelings. I knew what feelings were and we could have a conversation about them. I was so disconnected from intimacy. It wasn't even funny 16, 17 years ago. I just didn't know it. Nobody had taught me what feelings were and how to talk about them. So I lived in a world where I was very comfortable being complete, only cerebral, like logic was the only thing that mattered. I'm not that same human. Sophie is not the same person. And what does that mean? That means that at some points in the middle, we have to kind of come together. And one of us has to say, well, I want to do this thing now. I've never wanted to do it before. I never thought about it, but I know I want to kind of change who I am a little bit. And the other person had to go for the ride, right? We had to decide over and over. Sometimes it's a daily thing. Sometimes once a month, you kind of go, oh, wow, I'm really in this. But 
I think that's really important for people to hear. I think, again, like you said this so perfectly, you knew it was great when you first met, but knowing that it's great and saying, I'm going to do everything I can to spend the rest of my life with this person is a completely different decision. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, Brian, I know people who are in the same situation where they got divorced and they swore, they're like, I'm never getting married. And I've had this conversation with friends and I've said, I also get it, right? I, if this didn't work for some reason, I've, I've got kids, I've my, my ex, I would have my ex-wife and I would, the idea of thinking to myself, am I going to put myself and another human being and a whole other group of families through this again? It's talk about a, a risk. It's, that's, a, that's a bigger risk than one you take with businesses. There's, there are other human lives involved and the pain that can, that people can go through. So I think, I think it's important to appreciate the, the level of, commitment and the level of um of buy-in that you have to have and if you can have that in the beginning don't imagine for a second that you just get to let that go and then oh cool i committed to you 15 years ago so i'm done i don't have to do anything anymore yeah for sure and so so you guys met at 20 and 28 we met call it 10 years later Mm -hmm. on in life Do you guys, and having seen the transformation you've both had to have to stay together as a couple, you know, through all this happily, do you feel like 20 and 28, if you're recommending to someone, maybe that's not the right time to commit? I mean, you guys have been successful, but. I think it's less about the actual age, maybe a little bit, but less about the actual age and more about, are you a whole person? Mm. So are you a whole? How do you even know that? I mean, you know when you're not. (laughs) You know when you're not a whole person. For someone to com- to complete you or to fix you or to make point. you feel better about yourself. Yeah, because I feel like when we met, and I think this was a huge part of our attraction to each other, is that we were both just living in such a way that we were so independent and happy and fulfilled and like excited about life. We weren't looking, searching desperately for that person. It was like we happened to meet each other and, you know, couldn't resist each other. But... It wasn't like, we're like, where's Mr. Right? Where's, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it wasn't like this, like, which sometimes it is. Sometimes it, it absolutely like Brian is. was like, I don't want Mrs. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Keep Mrs. Right away from me. Yeah. <laughs> but we were both living our, our truth, living our bliss. And yeah. that like combination, it's like you're irresistible to one another when it's the right fit. Yeah. Yeah. It be, it's, it definitely comes with maturity as well. Like I was definitely too young. Um, I don't know who I would have been at 20 if I had already traveled the world, um, had amazing experiences, dated lots of men, had lots of different types of sex with different types of people, learned from those experiences, dated, been in serious relationships. I hadn't. So that was a disservice to us. And you know, he hadn't done the work on himself in any area of intimacy whatsoever. He had dated lots of women, but he didn't have the tools and he wasn't whole in that way. If you're always in your head, you're not a whole person. You've got mind, body, spirit, soul, like all of it. So you have to be curious. You have to be constantly trying to be a better person, whatever that means for you. And, you know, and that could be travel, that can be spirituality, that can be religion for some people, that can be um, you know, lots of different relationships and learning and growing. It can be therapy. It could be traditional therapy. It could be not traditional therapy. It could be healers. It could be shamans. You need to be on a quest to being a whole person. And as long as you're on that journey, I think then it doesn't matter what ages you are, as long as you can, 
find that alignment and that you encourage each other to continuously want to be on that journey. We're not done. We're whole in many ways and we also complete each other in many ways, but we're not done being better. We're not done pushing each other. It's never going to stop. When and you're if it done, does, you're dead, right? You're done, you're dead. Yeah. yeah, totally. And I feel like the fighting that happens between couples is actually really helpful in helping you to grow as an individual, right? Because it's mirroring your own stuff. Yeah, totally. Like no one's perfect and you can tell that by being in a relationship. If you're by yourself, you can think you're perfect, right? Mm-hmm. You can think you're right. You can think you're I like the best and so, you know, zen and peaceful. But if you're in a relationship, even if it's a great relationship, you're not going to agree all the time. Yeah. So and getting in those relationships and fi- even with yeah. friendships, in to be, letting yourself be intimate in a relationship so you can really see what is it, where are my flaws, my human yeah. qualities, where can I work a little bit more, where can I grow? Mm. And That's such a different, it's so funny because it's such a different way of thinking, right? And people ask us about this sometimes. I said this on, I think on one of our podcasts once maybe, but, but that I actually have taught myself to look forward to the conflict to some extent. Um, and part of that is because I know that if we deal with it, not if we run away from it, but if we deal with it, then our relationship actually gets better mm-hmm. after each one of those moments. And so you learn this, not, it's not that I seek it out, but the moment that you see it, like today we had this like money sensitivity thing in the car and, and I was feeling really weird and Sophie showed up and, and did what, it took for me to feel safe. And I remember I was, I was feeling we, I, I was as a guy, especially right. Like as a guy showing weakness is this thing, like you're not really supposed to ever do it. And I did, and I'm pretty comfortable showing with Sophie, but afterwards I came back and I said, Hey, thanks. Thank you for doing that. Cause you knew exactly what I needed and it worked. And now I feel better. And, and Sophie didn't say, well, you, you know, Thanks a lot, you a-hole. She, she said, sure, well, I mean, whatever, whatever we got to do, you know? And that's what I want in a relationship is I want, I'm okay with somebody showing me that I have room to grow. We're on the same team. We're, yeah. all, we're on team. Let's be a better couple. Let's be a better right. parent. Let's be yeah. better people. It's hard, I think, in the moment to feel that way in conflict, but it's so, tr- it's so true that the other person's just trying to illuminate something for you. It's like, and just leaning in. It's not easy. No, of course it's not easy. We were, we had resistance. I was annoyed that he was in a bad mood. And like, right. I felt the cloud over our car as we drove and our son was in the back seat. Like right. it's not fun to be in that place, but right. I kept leaning in. I kept saying, what do you need? What do you need? And I did it even though I didn't want to. It wasn't, it's not, it's not like, like that's a really interesting thing to ask someone when they're not doing well, instead of like, you're being an asshole, you're being, you know, it's like what do you need I think that's a really productive way to and I kind of said that too I was like you seem to have woken up on the wrong side of bed today what do you need to get the fuck on the right side of bed like exactly what what, can we do here to a little bit of both yeah yeah totally yeah Yeah. Yeah. but But I think that's like that's the underlying message it's like you need something what is it what are you not getting that you feel you need right now I think the teamwork piece it's such a cliche but it's so um it's so powerful to me Right. If whether you've ever paid, played a team sport or you've only watched them or at least you understand conceptually that they exist, um, it doesn't matter how good you are on your own. It mm-hmm. doesn't. Right. Yeah. I mean, the Lakers just won the championship. Like you can take the the same amazing basketball player, the same LeBron James was on that team last year and they sucked. They were 
terrible. Mm. What changed? The team, the coaching, the way they played together. That's what changed. They got a few other important people that were relevant to the way they needed to play better. And I think along with that goes the next message, which is, look, what works for us as a couple might not work for another couple. Yeah. We're not saying do what we do. No. We're saying there's a, there's a bigger message and there's like an umbrella message above it, which is figure out what works for you and go all in on that. And when we say go, go all in, you know, you mentioned the article Sophie wrote and, and the podcast. Guys, don't get me wrong. We absolutely get comments on our podcast that say we're stupid, crazy, insane people. Um, we just don't care. Yeah. Right? Like This is about our coupleship. It's not about Joanna or Michael from Indianapolis or Florida that yeah. they don't need to live in our relationship. No. It's your we, truth. Not and if it doesn't work for you, it doesn't work for you. Don't listen. But it's like, no. you know. So every couple listening or whoever it is, it's kind of like trying to improve their relationship. The, the message is, this is you guys. This is your team. Figure out what your team needs. And go to the ends of the earth to get as good as you can at doing that um, madly forever, right? So the idea is like, that's, it's your forever. Nobody else has to live in your coupleship. It's your forever. My job to some extent, it's my kids as well. And it's to find out how do I become a better partner for Sophie? How do we create a better relationship for us? Mm-hmm. Nobody else has to get it. Absolutely. Yeah. You're not doing it to, to look a certain way. It's about how it feels, mm-hmm. which no. is the important thing. Yeah. We definitely don't look a certain way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and also just even like hearing madly forever, I think about a fairy book kind of, you know, like I think about a fairy book and like when we first met, he was like, our story doesn't have to be anyone else's story. That's exciting. You don't, and I didn't know anything else. I didn't understand that. And he's like, we get to write our own story, our own pages, our own everything, our own chapters. And that's scary in some ways to a young girl who's like, whoa. Yeah. But now I'm like so inspired and lit up by that. Like that's so exciting that we get to just write our own narrative for the yeah. rest of time, as long as it works for us and our family. Yeah. And I feel like it's like in a broader sense, just your life in general, right? I feel like people are raised to think you have to live your life in this certain way or even get married or, you know, have a, yeah, yeah have kids or whatever it is. And Really, I think the, the the point is you can just live your own version of your life and it doesn't have to be what you think it should be based That's on awesome. someone else's version of what's like your parents usually. Is <laughs> your parents and the people in your neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so doing what works for you and being happy um, because it's your own truth, not what you think you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. I um. You know, sometimes I look around at the people that I look up to and the people that I've admired throughout my life. And it's so funny how the message I got when I was a kid was to seem as normal and as traditional and as same as everybody else around me. Like that was what I thought I needed to do. Don't ruffle feathers. (laughs) And, And then I look around at the people that I look up to and admire and there's not a single one of them that is like anybody else. If anything, the reason I admire them is because they set their own path. They, they kind of said, you know what? This is the way everybody's always done it. I'm going to choose this other way. And then they got really good at it. And on, if you look at their stories, not always, but many, many, many times, they were laughed at or they, they were seen as crazy or everybody thought that they were going to fail. 
for years, not like for a day or two, for years, it was assumed that they were crazy until they got good enough at what, what they were doing and, and everybody else caught on and, and the perspective of the world changed or people saw things differently. And then all of a sudden they became this icon mm-hmm. and we see them as the icon in the end. We go, look, look at how brilliant they are. But we forget that along the way, they also had to do all this work against the stream Continu- without support. Continuing showing up to themselves and saying like, these yeah. are the rules I'm writing from my boundaries to the people I let in my life, to the way I live my life every single day, our relationship. It doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. As long as you're not hurting anyone and you're living your truth and you're being bright and shiny for yourself, that's all that matters. It does not matter. And then as the, lo- the more you're aligned with that, and you align with the people in your life that are doing that too and honor you for you being your brightest self, everything else is, who cares? It's all history. Absolutely. Absolutely. Tell us a little bit more about some of your rules as a couple, maybe that aren't so typical, right? How are you, you know, blazing your own path? Um, I mean, well, like when it comes to sex, we've been having sex for 16 years. So we have definitely explored and pushed the boundaries in that area. And I think, um, the, probably the, the like strangest thing to other people would be that we love to like explore with another woman and it's maybe like twice a year, but it's fun. And it's something we look forward to. And like, what do the rules look like within those boundaries? And, um, those change year to year as we change and like what I'm comfortable with and what I'm not like, it started out like me kissing a girl was a really big deal. Well, actually, I mean, it started out with me talking to another girl was a big deal. Yeah. I mean, given where we come from, sure. there were years that... But minus the cheating. I'd say like we've had to come back from... Hmm. Like this, the pendulum has had to swing. So we had the cheating and we had to rebuild trust. So then the pendulum swung and he wasn't allowed to speak to a woman with a vagina. But like a, wo- a woman with a penis was fine, by the Women way. Women without vaginas <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. are totally, yeah, totally yeah. on the table. A hundred percent. But it, you know, it after we built, rebuilt trust and we came to this place, what, like five years ago, six years. six years ago, we started to like play and like explore and we felt, I felt safe and he felt safe. And so then that opened up a little bit more and then that we got scared and then we closed up and then what will people think? And that who cares? We're living our own truth and it's fun. And like, it's boring to do the same thing for 16 years. And there's no shame in that. And so I think for us, it's like looking at the boundaries, what makes us feel safe? Not what do other people do? What makes us feel safe in that moment? Well, I don't want you to do that with that girl because that makes me feel uncomfortable. And then I feel self whatever the thing is. And so we write that down. We always have to be together. It's not about cheating. It's not about just being with someone else. It's about being together and having a new shared experience. So whether that's a sex toy or a sex shop or whatever it is that fills into that like exploration in our sexuality, if that's a person, it's something that we both want, we're in sync about, and it's something we're both excited about. And then we're both in the room. So that's one of the rules is like, we always have to be in it together and communicate the whole time because things can change in a moment. And to both be in the exact same place at the exact same time, emotionally, spiritually, physically, it takes a lot. And a lot of it is more about just trusting each other and communicating and saying like, this feels safe, this doesn't. And then within those boundaries, then there's like room to play. Well, again, it's that idea of being a team. Like you guys are coming at it from a place together rather than one person going off on their own, which is, you know, 
going to hurt the relationship. And we've had even within that, like within the boundaries, like a D looking for the woman makes me feel unsafe because that feels like old behavior. And then I'm like, eh, like, isn't this about us? Shouldn't we be looking together? So that was always like for years, it'd be like, he'd get an alert. And I'm like, wait, what are you doing over there? This is our thing. This isn't your thing. And he's like, oh yeah. And he wasn't doing it on purpose. He just got the alert and he's ADD and like, and then it went to the, but it's, it's like, it's the intention. Everything's about the intention. If the intention is to be closer, let's do this together and have fun together and make it an adventure. Right. Yeah. And so, I mean, rules, look, rules, specific, elements can change over time. I think what Sophie mentioned, so around like intimacy and sexuality, definitely we always have to be into it. We also, there always has to be communication. We're both there. So it's never, we don't do things separately. Um, but I'll, I'll say even outside of intimacy and sex, like our relationship has completely shifted and changed over the years. So I said I was older than Sophie for, what would you say for the first, you know, I don't know, 12 years for the first 12 years, maybe that we were together, Sophie had started a company and, and was doing work, but you know, she'd make a little money here, a little money there. And I supported us. And then over the last three years, Sophie, Sophie's ability to bring income grew. And, and for a little while, cause I still had a company that, that was doing okay and pretty well at the time, like we grew together and then that collapsed. And all of a sudden Sophie became the primary breadwinner in the family. And, and, that took a while. It took like a while for me to adjust yeah. to what does that mean? How do I, how do I depend on Sophie to be the one that pays for most of the bills, et cetera. And, and that took some work it's trust uh, and trust, yeah. but also within a year or two of me kind of getting used to it, it actually allowed me to start something new, which is what ignited became. But all of those things are, there's like these dances, right? You get used to dancing a certain way and then things change as the world changes, right? Mm-hmm. My company stopped well, actually I was teaching at the time and then my company fell apart. And it was like, when those two things disappeared, my grounding got lost, but we were really lucky and fortunate. And Sophie was exactly in the right place to pick it up. And so yeah, this whole concept of being on the same team, it's really, I really love, um, I really love how comfortable it is once you get okay with that concept. It's not about even who's leading the dance so much and who isn't. It's about, how well is our family functioning together? And when you look at it from the outside to now, I don't even know that people on the outside would know all the changes in who's leading the dance. But it certainly looks, and I, I think consistently over time, that things are just moving and they're getting better and better well, it's a, and better. It's a beautiful dance to witness regardless. It doesn't matter like which category you're talking about. It's like whether we're parenting or having sex or exploring something new or traveling or managing our money, like running a company together, having a podcast, all of it is like just a beautiful dance to witness. It's not about who's leading. Yeah. Right. And And just trusting that. And I I think what I'm saying is sometimes you can get caught up within the relationship on the roles or, well, you're supposed to do this and I'm supposed to do that. Or I think that's a lot of relating to one another, right? Yeah. Like the expectation that someone has of the other person. So like renegotiating that constantly. Over and over again. It seems over. like you guys are really fluid in that and good at that, but that's like not always so easy for it. It's not. And we struggle a lot. We struggle like, well, I worked all day and made all the money and like, why am I doing the dishes and the laundry? Like you should be, oh yeah. And then I'm blaming and then I'm shaming and then I'm like, you're right. so fucking lazy. And then he's like, wait, like I, that's not going to make me want to do anything. And then we learn and then we renegotiate and like, 
you know, it's, so, it's so, I, so I do the dishes after dinner. <laughs> um, but he, you know what? He's funny. I look at your life self growing up. I look at my life growing up. Our life right now looks nothing like either one of our lives growing up, like at all. Thank God. There's not, I don't think there's a single element to our relationship, the number of kids, the house, like we live in all this stuff. I feel like a lot of the choices that I feel like I made and then for us, we make are like what I always wanted, like how I always want the consistency I always mm. wanted with my kids. I, I leave my kids room after reading to them every single night for 10 years. And I'm just like, that's all I ever wanted was mm. just comfort, consistency, two responsible people loving me. And that's what we're giving our kids. And that's not something I had. I was moved around constantly, but in like a really like almost like abrasive way and ripped away from my friends and just all like the my commute. I didn't know community and yeah. everything I always wanted. I'm just doing, and I'm providing for my family and my kids and I'm enjoying it too. I live the life that I always wanted. We have people here. We're celebrating our lives. We're constantly in celebration mode and that's have fun. We have fun. We have, we're fun. celebrating the moment because yeah. it's Shabbat just cause it's a Friday mm-hmm. and we worked all week and that's it. And that there's nothing else necessary. It's just, there's no fluff. It's just, this is what we want. So we're going to create it. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of fun. It's lots nice. of celebration. And then I know, I remember that you, you've shared this before, but that um, MDMA is something you guys use to connect as well. Is that something that goes with those two times a year experiences? Yeah. <laughs> we actually thing? haven't had a, an experience with anyone that wasn't, right? Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, maybe there may be one or two in the ten, seven or eight years. I think this is an important point to make. Like Sophie talked about continuing growth. I, was, I actually just talked to her about this, what, a few weeks ago or something. Um, so MDMA, we're actually soon going to have, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of MAPS, but it's a, a mm-hmm. research center around using um, psilocybin and, and MDMA for trauma survivors. Sophie didn't talk about this much, but that five-year relationship that she was in before me it was like the quintessential small America, and I hate stereotyping this, but I'm going to here in a second, small America relationship, right? She was a cheerleader. She dated the quarterback, but it was also a really abusive, terrible relationship. Yeah. Sexually abusive, physically abusive, emotionally abusive. And that's where she came from. And so that's not my background at all. I like the idea of raising my hand at uh, somebody I'm with is is so far from the reality I grew up in. I would literally not imagine it, but that's where this kid grew up. And so that's, that's the life that he knew. And that's the relationship he got into. And um, so when we got together, I didn't know how to talk about it because I didn't understand the reaction. She would cry during sex and it would, it was painful and it was more painful for her emotionally than it was for me to receive it. But I didn't know how to deal with it. I didn't know how to talk about emotions again. Sophie was ashamed of it and didn't, know what to do with the fact that now she's not with a guy who's abusing her, but it's still happening. So it caused conflict constantly. And for Sophie, for sure, MDMA, she, she wanted to do it way before I did. I had a drug addiction history. And so I was actually really, really scared of allowing it back into my life whenever that was six years ago. I brought it up to our therapist. I was, I had such an intuitive hit about it. I was like, I experienced it a few times in high school. I know how it makes me feel. This is going to be so good for us. For me personally, for my own sexuality, my own healing, my own sensuality, and healing from the trauma that we went through. Because I I like built these calluses around him and I just I couldn't see him as the person I fell in love with. I kept being like, You're such a piece of shit. I just couldn't 
get over that. And that's so unfair to our relationship. Why am I still here if I can't actually be over it? And that drug, that therapy is medicine for me and it's medicine for us. And every time it's like, it strips away all the inhibitions. It strips away all the fears, all the anxieties, all the shit from life, the normal like to-do list stuff. It all goes away. And in 45 minutes, I'm like, oh, there I am. Okay. Oh, there you are. And then we can play and have fun and explore and have great conversations. And that's, you know, it might not be my medicine forever, but right now it is. And right now it works. And we know not to abuse it because it's a drug that when you abuse it, it can mess with you in a negative way, just like anything. Um, and we're really sensitive to that. And he stays up on the research and, you know, it's important to look at everything, all substances as it could be a poison, it can be harmful and it can also be a medicine. And sometimes certain substances are both for us, but for us, MDMA has been, especially for me, just key to healing. And Mm. it's been really incredible. So interesting. So you guys are going to do that, the maps, um, Well, well we're, so we're going to interview uh, Rick Doblin, who started. Oh, okay. We're going to have him on the yeah. podcast because we use it. Look, I, I mean, I get, mm-hmm. I studied psychology, so in a way, we were sort of allowing that in there. But the traditional way is to do these kind of spaced sessions with a the therapist. Mm-hmm. And what research has shown over and over and over is if you include MDMA for somebody with past traumatic experience, mm-hmm. especially sexual trauma, but they also did it with have done it with veterans. Um, you get massive reductions in PTSD symptoms. And so what I was talking to Sophie about literally just last week was, do you feel like the stuff you learn while on the MDMA, does mm-hmm. it transfer? And it's not at all that Sophie is the same person when she's on the MDMA or not. But there's no question that in terms of her ability to express herself and, and feel free growth, and, and laugh. is real. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, it stays, right? Yeah. It's lasting. We, we yeah. I mean, it's like a new pathway. Yeah. And, and, and you learn, you learn fight or flight response, right? So it reduces people's it reduces it. Um, physiological PTSD like reactions. Mm-hmm. I mean, for, I'll give it just a simple example, you know, so in, in this past relationship, this guy was really jealous. And so anytime Sophie wore a V-neck t-shirt or something, she'd come home and it'd be ripped up and her clothes would be on the bed torn up. Um, I'm the opposite. I'm like, you are beautiful. You're beautiful. Show like be beautiful. I don't need you to hide it. You're going home with me. I'm not afraid of that part of it. Like I'm, I feel pretty secure in it. Show you. And she couldn't, it was really hard for her because there was this connection to this guy screaming at her and hitting her. And I mean, it's, it's painful to even say, right? It's, but that's, that was the experience. And so she doesn't have any of that anymore. It's just not here, which is but it was incredible. Slow. It, was slow. it was years of like practice and like, we're not doing it every weekend. We don't want to. So it's slow and steady. And like, if we have something in January and it's really like a ceremony and like, yes, we might do it with our friends and it might be at a party, let's say, but there's a ceremony. There's an intention set at the beginning of the night. There's a processing over the next few days. Like it's a real ceremonial medicine. And so if it happens in January and I feel like slightly more comfortable in my skin and in my sexuality than that being, or with us, or we have a conversation on it, I remember all of it. So by March it's, it's sunk in and those layers are off. And is it perfect? No, but it's a medicine that's used for that, for that. And it's, 
it's very efficient and very functional and it's, I've only seen the best results from it and I will continue until I don't, you know, it's, it's something that is like tried and true. <laughs> like <laughs> We're good. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anything else you'd like to share? No, I mean, I think we just, we keep, we keep learning more. We keep sharing more, come over to our podcast ignited. We talk very openly about a lot of things pertaining to radical transparency and we are redoing our relationship course. So in the next few weeks, we're going to have a new relationship course offer that we did one a while ago. And it's just, I was like nine months pregnant and it was over a computer, like a laptop. The quality was bad, but it's it, the content's there and it's beautiful. So we're just going to reshoot it. Um, so definitely check that out. And, and that one yeah. specifically deals with the stuff we were just talking about. So creating intimacy, talking about emotions, opening communication and overcoming trauma in relationships. So specifically about that. Yeah. And then again, right. For anybody who's listening, who does feel stuck in the relationship and, and maybe is scared about the future of their relationship. I think the main thing for us is whether we're a model for you or somebody else is a model. Um, don't believe the, the general principles that there's this kind of like cookie cutter way that all couples have to be. By the way, if you want to be like those couples, that's amazing too. I'm not saying that's not an example to follow, but find what we found over and over is just find ways that work for you. As Jesse mentioned before, being on the same team, really mm -hmm. feeling like it's a collaborative experience rather than this question of how we started talking about this, which is what does everybody else need to see in our relationship for them to be happy about what we're going through? Right. It's such an important reminder. And I feel like that's a lot of why we started this podcast too. Yeah. It's just to highlight different ways of staying madly, you know, interested in the person you're with forever, despite, you know, it not looking a certain way, right? Like yeah. every type of, um, of relationship out there could use, you know, like attention and, um, and work. Yeah. And there's a lot of paths and a lot of tools and a, a lot of ways to go about it. And yeah, you're not madly in love every second of the day for your entire relationship, <laughs> but if you can find ways to keep that spark going and keep your love alive, you know, through a long-term relationship, that's amazing. And yeah. something that should be shared. So. Yeah. And I think it's so yeah. cool that you guys have not only overcome challenges, but like found ways to connect, like, you know, more than ever mm -hmm. uh, and to come like full circle that way, like almost breaking up, but then to like, you know, find each other every step of the way again, it's, you know, it's really, really impressive and really cool. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I would say on average, like on any average given day, our relationship is actually better now than it's ever been. And that's kind of a continuing pattern where it's keep, it just keeps improving. Thank you. So much. It on that front, then. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for your time and your openness as always. And we're looking forward to seeing you in person soon too. I hope yeah. so. Let us know when you guys are down in LA. We definitely will. Yeah. We'll have to make a plan. Soon. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Thank you. Congratulations on the podcast. And do you want to tell everyone where they can find you? Yeah ignited.com for our relationship course and um, ignited.com podcast and then sophie.jaffe on instagram 
and at Dr. Adi Jaffe. And Ignited is spelled I-G-N-T-D. I thought I was being clever, but <laughs> apparently it's now some secret open sesame password because nobody can understand what it is without, <laughs> without me spelling it for them. So thank I-G-N-T-D. That. Perfect. Yeah. All right, guys. Thank you thank so you. much. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Thank you.